All right, so we are doing a podcast. You know, the kids used to do rock bands. They get in their garage, play their drums, their guitars, their saxophones, their violins, and they would start a band called, you know, Drug Monkeys. Uh, This is what millennials are doing today. They're starting podcasts. They're going wild on the microphones. They're going wild on audacity. They're talking about things they don't know. They're doing things they shouldn't. They're making obscene amounts of money or making no money at all. Ooh, is that money? Okay, right. I'm on board. <laughs> this is a terrible opening. This is not a bad opening. I, I think, honestly, this is going to be what our podcast is going to be like. It's going to be wild. It's going to be true. free. Things will be said. Things will be said with regret later on. But it's going to be good. It's going to be fun. So our podcast, you know, our garage rock band, our, our podcast is about Canadian politics. And it will be mostly focused on the people within the political atmosphere in Canada, as well as business people, maybe celebrities, and other weirdos who have um, arisen to fame or infamy in the uh, the true north strong and free. Mm-hmm. Canadian or Canadian adjacent, I think. You know, there, there's some wiggle room there. We'll, we'll be talking about the who's who of Canadian politics, and it will be in a funny way, hopefully. You know, we want to inform you, but we also want to make you laugh. That or is cringe. the goal. Yep. Well, yeah, I mean... Ho- Hopefully not at us. No at us. us. No, I, I want to oh. be. <laughs> I want to be in some kind of YouTube compilation of worst podcasts of 2021. <laughs> yeah, we should probably say the name of the podcast at some point, right? Yeah this this Maybe. is uh this is yeah. people kind politics. Yes. Uh, and people kind, you know, that was something that Justin Trudeau made famous during a town hall meeting when he corrected a woman for saying humankind. Maternal love is the love that's going to change the future of mankind. So we'd like you to look uh, we, we like to say people kind, not necessarily mankind, because uh, yeah. it's more inclusive. There we go, exactly. <laughs> Fucking got him. Yeah. Justin Trudeau, who we will be talking about this episode in the second half, is a very woke man person. Very, very woke person. Extremely. The wokest. No, this is, this is a pure feminist icon no this isn't exactly. mankind this is a what what was our what was people our kind. podcast people kind yes thank you sorry <laughs> took took a second there yeah. yeah that one yeah that's us that's that's our namesake thank you trudeau it's uh i think it's pretty good yeah we are going to immortalize his gaff in this <laughs> in this podcast uh <laughs> We are hoping that Trudeau will one day be a guest on this podcast and we can ask him what his thought process was behind the infamous people kind gaffe. And, um, you know, apologies to my to our audio listeners. We're, we are both recording from uh, apartments in this COVID-stricken wasteland. And there might be sounds. There might be ambient oh, please, noises. please. Please. No? This, is, this is top-notch. First episode quality stuff. 
You know, we all gotta start somewhere. I bought a mic for this, alright? I don't want to hear any complaints about my mic no, quality. No, exactly. Or background noise. You, you will... You will sit with that and you will listen to it or ignore it, preferably. (laughs) Or or listen to one of a million other podcasts, uh, including the one with uh, Bruce Springsteen and Barack Obama, (laughs) which I actually listened to. And you know what? Uh, Dog shit. Awful. Terrible. (laughs) Uh, Bruce Springsteen, bad musician. Barack Obama, bad president. So they are a good match. (gasps) You didn't. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, Oh, we're leftists, kind of. No, we are, right? Well, Taylor, would, would you hope? <laughs> What's the alternative? When I thought up our uh our logo with the deteriorating, you know, Canadian maple leaf, I was like, "Wow, this looks kind of conservative." We are <laughs> oh, not no. conservatives, but yeah, you know, we don't really have any party affiliation. I mean, the NDP is okay. Um yeah. I was a really big fan of uh, Maxime Bernier's uh, uh, abortion of a party in uh, the 2019 oh, election. That's, that's how you have to describe it. He's, could you could you elaborate more on this imagery, please? What well, is the... he he tried to give birth to it, you know, uh, he did. and he did. you know, on the operating table, however people give birth, uh, things went awry. He actually lost his own seat. I don't think that's what an abortion is. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's a that's a terrible <laughs> metaphor. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, folks. I don't know what I'm talking. I've never had an abortion. Uh, sorry. Yeah, you should be. That's okay. You know, I think I thought it was funny. Uh, this is a vape oh, podcast, God. by the way. And and look, you know, to the I folks thought, there. I thought you quit, man. This is what a happened? big. This is a big Canadian issue. The Canadian government is trying to stop your vaping. Okay. This is an outrage. This is a social crisis. It's 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 persecution, honestly. You know, so beforehand, you know, you can get a vial of e-liquid juice for your vape in uh, uh, 50, uh, 50 milligrams of nicotine. You know what these mm-hmm. bastards did? They illegalized it so you can only sell it for twenty milligrams. I'm not gonna get my no. nicotine my nicotine high off twenty milligrams. <laughs> I'm not a baby. This isn't my first vape. I'm not a have child. You, uh, have you considered cigarettes? Well, that's the thing. Okay, this is the thing, right? Because <laughs> vapes are supposed to be this like nick or uh, uh, smoking cessation device. So if you're, you know, chugging away on a pack of cigarettes and then you want to quit and go to vapes, that shit ain't gonna cut it. It's gonna do nothing for you. You might as well just be blowing on your own finger. You know, it's it's garbage, awful. I mean, it would be cheaper to do that. So yeah, maybe th- it's we, a legitimate alternative. What are we in the Soviet Union? They're taking away my vapes, folks. This is bad. We gotta change this. And that's why we started this podcast to yeah. raise awareness. This is actually about the awareness of uh, vape culture. And look, vape culture is garbage. It sucks. I vape every time I do it. I'm ashamed. I hate myself. <laughs> I go and cry. I feel like a loser, as I should. But it's fun yeah. and I like it. So fuck you and fuck the Canadian government for making the vape uh, or the nicotine content in vape juices uh, basically nothing. I might as well be vaping water, you know. I might as well just like breathe in the humidifier in my room. So sorry to hear that. I did not realize yeah. how significant this was to you and also, you know, Canadians as a whole. Vape nation. Yeah, vape. Yeah, look, I'm just trying to destroy my lungs here, okay? Can I just fucking do that in the most enjoyable way possible? Please, please, Trudeau, step on this. You know, Trudeau's like, you know, smoke all the marijuana you want, folks. But then when it comes to the real issue of nicotine... 
he's like, no, no, because, you know, won't anyone think of the children? <laughs> Folks, your kids are vaping. Deal with it. I mean, you're not wrong. The kids do vape. They continue to vape. Of course they vape because it's cool. Yeah. This is a, this is unironically a pro-vape podcast. Yeah. I have no strong opinion. I will allow that motion to pass. Okay. Great. Great. Um, yeah. So this is, this has been one of the worst introductions to a podcast ever done. Yeah. We're not, we're not including all this. Sorry. 15 Uh, minutes of this. You think anybody would fucking listen? (laughs) Of course they're going to listen because they've got nothing else to do. Because it's the pandemic, folks. You've got nothing to do. There's no jobs. There's no restaurants. There's no drinking. There's no clubs. There's no bowling or mini golf or Mm, going to the beach. That's the real tragedy. Or kissing your friends on the mouth. There's none of that. You can't do it anymore. And this is why you're listening to podcasts 24-7, destroying your eardrums, destroying how you're able to listen to things. This is what we're here, folks. We're here to help you get through the pandemic which, uh, by recent estimates, will last until uh, 2053. All right, so I guess we should probably introduce ourselves. I'm Matthew, and I'm from Vancouver. Uh, uh, I live in Vancouver. Yeah, I was going to say, that's not really... <laughs> I feel like you're trying to represent yourself in a certain way, like you're some kind of cool Vancouver I'm man. Cool, I'm a cool West Coast <laughs> hipster boy. Yeah, one of those. It's not true. Yeah. Don't lie to me. No, I'm not cool at all. We're not cool. This isn't a cool podcast. It's not what I'm saying. Come on. I'm just saying you weren't, you're not from Vancouver. From Winnipeg, like me, where I currently live and have lived my entire life. And I'm Taylor. Wow. That, (laughs) you're Taylor. That's how you you introduce yourself. I'm from Winnipeg. The gateway to the West, folks. The peg, Winnipeg. (laughs) Capital of Manitoba. The coldest fucking city in the world. It sucks. It's awful. It's why I left. Taylor's there all for right, some reason. Well, it's it's not that bad. It's it's all right here. You yeah, know? it's okay. I like. It's I okay. have. I have. I have feelings for Winnipeg still. <laughs> okay, so the podcast format is essentially this. You know, the first part we'll be talking about the news. This episode's a bit unique because we're introducing ourselves. We're talking about ourselves, so it's a bit different. But in the normal format, yeah, we'll talk about, you know, the news of the week, and then we'll transition over to discussing a individual in Canadian politics to discuss and talk about. That is correct. Yeah. Well, politics, politics adjacent, media, you know, some famous Canadian. Exactly. Exactly. We'll, We'll talk about anyone who's important or worth knowing. And a lot of people who are not worth knowing or remembering or caring about because they're funny and we'll laugh at them. That's true. Somebody has to. Uh, so with that crazy introduction out of the way, uh, today we're, we have for you two news stories uh, before we transition into our conversation on Trudeau. Where we'll cover his biography, his greatest hits, his greatest failures, and a couple gaffes. Just a couple uh, gaffes. Just a couple gaffes. Before that, we are going to talk about our two news stories. So, Taylor, I'll let you go first. All right, here we go. Okay. Begrudgingly so. Yeah, you know, someone has to do it. So, you know, when you're scrolling through Twitter and you see somebody's name trending 
and it's somebody you really care about and your heart drops because you know they did something really fucked up, you know? Of course. I know, it's happened to us all. So... Louis C.K., (laughs) R.I.P. So you're scrolling Twitter, you see a name, you gasp, you can't believe it. I am sad to announce the latest victim of cancel culture, Bigfoot, and his family, but mostly Bigfoot. Matthew, what have you heard about this? Bigfoot is canceled. First of all, Bigfoot's not real. Uh, um, I'll talk about this later on in the podcast. Yeah, uh, we're not getting into that. I disagree. Okay, so let's let's assume that he's real. He was canceled. Yep, Bigfoot. Dun, dun, dun. I know, I know. I didn't believe it either. I who canceled him? Who did it? Who was it? You know, would you believe it? Jason Kenny, <laughs> Premier of Alberta, canceled Bigfoot. Jason Kenny, you piece of shit. Everything else he did until now was fine. I loved it. Very supportive. <laughs> no, no. What do you mean you, you canceled Bigfoot? <laughs> so, Jason Kenny, Premier of Alberta, has been for a while. He's still in his first term. Uh, he has a whopping... And last. Th- most likely, uh, as of March 2021, he has a whopping, a huge uh, approval rating of 39% which is 3% over Pallister, uh, premier of Manitoba. So, hey, he has that. He's not the worst. Um, so, Kenny, he's, uh, if you're not familiar with him, he is the current premier of Alberta, uh, United Conservative Party, UCP, and he's not very good. Again, low approval rating. People are not a fan, even the conservatives. Uh, He's just not a good guy, and he is currently spending his time, or rather, I should say, the Energy War Room, (laughs) a.k.a. the Canadian Energy Center, uh, is spending literal taxpayer dollars. Uh, This is a government-funded, provincially-funded Alberta agency organization with for the 2021-2022 fiscal year has a budget of $12 million and they have released a petition against Netflix's Bigfoot family. No. Yeah. I love that show, movie. Movie, what is yep, it? there you go. Okay. Okay. Yep. You I've got, watched it. You got it right. Bigfoot family, okay? This is a recently added movie to Netflix and can you believe it is spreading misinformation about the oil and gas industry? And that's bad. This is unacceptable. Brainwashing. What kind of misinformation are we well, talking about here? For example, okay, so there was a press conference standing up for Alberta, giving Albertans a stronger voice in government. And one of the press people asked Kenny about this, like, hey, your uh, war room is going after some cartoon movie is this what you wanted (laughs) pretty much uh word for word and you know what kenny he was like you know it may just be a cartoon to you but and this is uh word for word it's clear that they developed content to defame in the most vicious way possible in the impressionable minds of kids the largest industry of the province Please stop kicking us while we're down. We Albertans have been generous, and we will continue to be generous. But this, um, these attacks 
on our natural resource industries are unwarranted, they are divisive, they're, I believe, in a way, un-Canadian at a time like this. It's like blaming the victim. Kenny knows that this is serious. This is something that, however silly it may seem, it's a cartoon. You know, he says, we can just pretend that that's not a reality. Just ignore it. Just say that big Hollywood operations should be able to depict the oil and gas as, in the words of Netflix, evil. That oil and Mm. gas companies plot to murder people and are organized purposefully to destroy the environment, which kind of just sounds like he literally described the oil (laughs) and gas industry so i'm kind of kenny was being straight serious i'm pretty sure i'm i might be missing something here but you know he said albertans are and people no what did he say albertans and people who defend our oil and gas workers have (laughs) wait wait wait, stop 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 wait he's like albertans and people as if they're two distinct (laughs) things that's true actually (laughs) listen i'm just there's people and then there are (laughs) albertans i mean they live in caves and (laughs) sip oil from the ground with metal straws maybe that's why his approval rating is so low because he's just um he's running out of oil yeah Yeah. that's it his uh joints are getting a little achy um (laughs) albertans and people (laughs) yeah so the point is uh bigfoot is bad bigfoot is trying to brainwash our children into (laughs) believing anti-oil and gas propaganda and that is just wrong and netflix needs to know that so if you want to support this movement go to supportcanadianenergy.ca and tell netflix the truth about bigfoot family (laughs) This is what Albertans and what Canadians as a whole need to spend their time, energy, and money on right now in the world. $12 million for 2021 to 2022 fiscal year. Thank you. That's my piece. It's all those those goddamn communists. You know, (laughs) they hate the oil. They're trying to, like, fly their planes on air alone, you know. Mm it's fucking nonsense they're they're trying to drive their cars by pushing them (laughs) with their own hands it's absurd yeah (laughs) they they have people in the place of wheels and they're walking on all fours you know (laughs) you think you're gonna get that far (laughs) this is the communism future they want people but yeah so that's a stupid thing that jason kenny did uh, um, amongst other stupid things that he's done Uh, We're going to get things uh, a little bit more serious here with my news story, which is concerning Huffington Huffington Post Canada being essentially cancelled on its own. Not cancelled, but basically being dismantled. The term for it, I don't know, it's it's being done, finished, it's just over. Oh, yeah, they they shut her down. Yeah, they shut down Huffington Post Canada. So, so Huffington, Huffington Post is owned by uh, BuzzFeed. Uh, BuzzFeed recently acquired it in, in November of 2020 from Verizon. And once BuzzFeed acquired it, it was in, I think, around March 9th or so that they were shut down. Full-time staff were called to a meeting, a Zoom meeting, of course, because of COVID, good old COVID. And the password to enter... Uh, this Zoom meeting with the uh, executives and the full-time staff was 
Spring is here. Oh no. <laughs> no. I didn't that's, know this. That's That's cute, right? That's that's oh nice. Oh god. So, you know, these what these the full-time fuck? And so, so for some context, um during this time, uh, uh BuzzFeed which owns uh HuffPo- Huffington Post Canada and other Huffington Post things, uh was in the midst of being uh unionized. And so mm, yes. On February 23rd, the negotiations were settled and a contract was signed for the unionization of these workers under BuzzFeed. And they're looking forward to, you know, new work as unionized workers with, you know, bigger benefits, safety nets, uh, precautions. Jobs. Yeah, secure jobs because like being a news person in Canada or anywhere is, you know, it's pretty difficult. If you want to be an established journalist nowadays, it doesn't come easy. It does not come easy. Journalism is on the decline, at least from like established papers. There's a lot of like, you know, new media, like people like us, for example. We're not we're not journalists. We're not journalists, but we talk about the news. (laughs) Uh, we're probably as journalistic as the Huffington Post ever was, though. Ooh. Or BuzzFeed. Actually, I used to really hate BuzzFeed. I was like, you know, the classic thing, like, oh, they do all these stupid lists. Mm-hmm. They have these stupid personalities that would talk a bunch. We're trying Korean barbecue for the first time <laughs> blindfolded with our tongues removed, you know. Oh, no. <laughs> Some there's, stupid thing. Yeah, there's a lot of that. A, yeah there's legitimate journalism journal there there is journalism on buzzfeed.com as well however it's yeah and there. i used to really i used to really hate them but then actually i read a couple buzzfeed articles like yeah. some actual reporting and it's actually pretty interesting they have good writers there they have good editors and so you know they have they do some good work i used to hate them but now i'm just lukewarm on them i think uh, that's an understandable stance relatable yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty unfortunate now that Huffington Post Canada is being shut down. It was only started, Huffington Post Canada was only started in 2011. So it's a fairly new uh, out, outlet of news. With with everything in the world nowadays, everything is being consolidated. Everything is being bought up, monopolized, you know, centralized. Yeah, and there's a lot to unpack here. The fact that it was two weeks after, you know, they signed the papers, they officially unionized, whatever. Uh, yeah, not a good look for BuzzFeed at all. And in general, journalism, I would imagine it's more, I mean, you know, you read the stories, they were at a 20 million loss or whatever in the last year, whatever it yeah. is. But for me, when you think about journalism and the news... Uh, ideally, it's something that shouldn't be focused on uh, profit, but it is. And I feel like we definitely lose out on a lot of good journalism and content because of that. Not to say uh, there isn't good leftist media and outlets out there, because there certainly is. But yeah, it's not easy. No. And, you know, if you have these like mega corporations doing these news articles, then you know the the point of the the point of the news media the point of media journalism is to keep power accountable and should be the point of it yeah right it's it's the original point it's Mm -hmm. to 
uncover what is going on in the world. This is obviously not true nowadays. You know, trust in the public media or in the mainstream media is at an all-time low. People don't trust them, and, you know, I don't blame them to an extent. I mean, it's a complicated issue, but when you have these these journalists with so much power, with so much, you know, networks and oversight from these big corporations like BuzzFeed merging with, with or, you know, buying Huffington Post, you have BuzzFeed, which is a huge organization, which, you know, Buzz, BuzzFeed isn't really about publishing, isn't really about publishing news stories. It's mostly about producing content and content that will sell. And, you know, that doesn't really go along with the idea of disrobing power with revealing what power is with revealing those in power with showing corruption with showing problems in society because they're they're meant to produce content so they're going to be like oh 50 friends moments that we love the most (laughs) and you know that's that's not journalism it's not bad what it is i mean i don't like it but it's not journalism and to have those two married together you know, journalism and content producing, it, it does come, it's a little bit, it's a little bit awkward, the meeting of the two, because now you have one side wanting to get as many viewers as possible with this light, fluffy content, and the other half is wanting to actually do something re- socially responsible to show what's going on in the world. And those two are usually at cross purposes. <laughs> it's a lot to talk about in yeah, such a small it is short time. we'll probably talk about this topic later on in our you know future podcast but you know the fact that we lost Huffington Post Canada you know I, I don't really like the Huffington Post because I think a lot of its coverage is fluffy and you know basically intent upon creating you know digestible content it probably did some good reporting I didn't read yeah. the Huffington Post but the fact that we're losing another another journalist outlet, you know, it's sad. It's not good, I don't think. The yeah. consolidation of it is not good. It is not good. And it's especially not good, again, two weeks after unionizing and also, yeah, people losing their jobs with no notice in the middle of a pandemic with probably no safety net and talking about how uh, difficult journalism is, uh, they're kind of left out to dry for sure. And they shouldn't have to deal with that. Uh, you know, when, when they did the Zoom meeting, they only contacted their full-time staff. They mm-hmm. did not contact their contractors who honestly do most of the legwork, who do most of the work, you know. Yeah. So they don't care about labor. You know, BuzzFeed no, does not care about labor. They care about their bottom lines. They care about producing as much watchable content as possible and the people who produce it are nothing to them they don't mean anything to them and that's why they were cut out because buzzfeed's like yeah you know we're losing money here so uh go fuck yourselves and the fact that you want to be unionized the fact that you know you want to have all these not entitlements but you want to have all these protections all of these rights as as workers uh makes you something that we could lose we could lose you we don't really want you anymore because you're more of a liability to us more Mm -hmm. of an expense to us than you were as like contractors or writers for hire all right so that should conclude this part of the episode thanks for watching listening it's been wacky it's been weird uh we will at the end of the second part of this episode tell you a bit more about where you can find us where you can follow us what our release schedule will look like uh, going forward from now. So, yeah, stay tuned. The show's not over. The best is yet to come.
right, so welcome to the second part of the show where we talk about Justin Trudeau's life, his misdeeds, mostly his misdeeds, his misfortunes, his mistakes, his errors. Let's get into it. We're going to start off with the biography section first, kind of introduce you to the man who is Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada at this current moment, serving his uh, second, second thing. Second? I, I think it's the second. It's the thing, yeah, uh, yeah. second term. He's doing, he's, he's doing pretty good. He's, he's still there. He's still there, yeah. So um, Justin Trudeau was born on Christmas Day to Pierre and Margaret Trudeau in 1971. And uh, Pierre was also a prime minister of Canada. And Justin Trudeau is actually the first uh, dynastic prime minister that we've had. So, wow, you know, that's I, qu- I, didn't, I didn't actually know that. Yeah, he's the first that. one whose father, you know, he followed in his father's footsteps, you know. Uh, okay, so pri- so Pierre and Margaret Trudeau were um, kind of an interesting couple. Pierre was a lot older than Margaret. Margaret was, I think, in her 20s, and Pierre was in his, I think, 50s or, yeah, 50s or 60s at the time. And uh, Margaret was a bit of a, a bit of a, a bit of a wild card. Um, the uh, press really had to go at her a couple of times, especially during a separation when uh, she partied with the Rolling Stones. Fucking had some, kidding me? Had some drugs and partied with the Rolling Stones, yeah. Jesus Christ. And then Pierre was like, uh, uh, it was upset. Yeah, it wasn't good optics <laughs> in the 1970s. Uh, but eventually they divorced. Well, actually, first, I want to address, there, there's a prophet in this story called uh, Richard Nixon. So Richard Nixon, um, a president of, the, president of the United States of America, as you might know, or not, he attended a dinner uh, with Pierre and the family there, and he said, uh, Tonight, we'll dispense with the formalities. I'd like to toast the future Prime Minister of Canada to Justin Pierre Trudeau. Uh, Trudeau was six at this time. Justin Trudeau was six at this time. Wow. Incredible. So, yeah, Nixon is a prophet. I mean, um, I'm pretty sure we already knew that. He may not be a crook, but he is a prophet. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm bad at You know, this. the, I'm not a crook, you know that? Oh, that no, no, I didn't. I didn't okay. know. Okay. Look at this is... This is this is well, the essential knowledge that I'm missing. This is this is it. Fuck. That's why that's why we're here to inform you, uh, fellow Canadians, about uh, about a lot of things, mostly to do with uh, today, Justin Trudeau. Right. So um, so so after uh, Pierre left uh, politics, he took his son. Eventually, I think Pierre had three children: uh, Justin, Sacha, and Mikhail. And he took his three sons um, after the separation and divorce uh, back to uh, Montreal where Justin Trudeau attended uh, a school called Brebeuf. And, um, Sorry, could you this repeat is, that? This, this will be a problem throughout the podcast, because I don't really speak French. So. Brebeuf. Brebeuf. How do you... No, it's, it's okay. You know what? This, this is it. This is the Canadian experience. Yeah, this is not a bilingual podcast, unfortunately. I know uh, a couple words, but uh, Brebeuf is not one of them. Okay, so... There's really not too much to say about his childhood. Um, he grew up in the public eye, which is quite unusual. You know, Pierre left uh, politics um, not too long after he had Justin, maybe when he was like 10 or 7 years old or so. But he still grew up in the public eye, and he had a, you know, growing up he had a police, uh, an RCMP uh, attachment or outfit that would follow him around, take him to and from school, whatnot, and, mm, you know, there's some popular yeah, he's a big he's a big deal, Justin Trudeau. So you know he was pretty used to uh, kind of being constantly surveilled and uh, you know 
and having intention towards himself. So he also uh, he also took part in the debate club. He was a debate mm. club guy. Yeah. yeah. And he did pretty well, which would reflect later on in his debates in the 2015 president or presidential in the 2015 uh, prime ministerial elections uh, debates debates where he uh, he outshone uh, his competitors uh, Tom mean... Mulcair <laughs> and Stephen Harper. It's, yeah, that's a real that's a real accomplishment. Being in the debate club. I mean that, and also outshining the likes of Harper and Mulcair. I mean, I can't. What kind of man are we dealing with here? Yeah, the the, the black holes of charisma: Stephen Harper and Thomas Mulcair. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I guess Elizabeth May and uh, Gills Duceppe were also there, but uh, <sighs> like like us, uh, no one really remembers them. Yeah. I'm sorry, Elizabeth May. She did okay in the 2019 election, but. I mean, okay for the Green Party. Yeah, yes. Right, so, okay, so, yeah, Justin's life is fairly, you know, I mean, it's not normal, but there's nothing incredibly eventful. He moves from Montreal to the West Coast. Uh, Yeah, there he got, uh, he joined the teaching program at the University of British Columbia. Um, Oh, I should say, actually, first, um, in Montreal, he received an English literature degree from McGill in Montreal. And... um, this is somewhat significant because his father was quite an intellectual heavyweight. He used to write a lot. He would, um, you know, write these tomes and these very complicated papers and whatnot. Uh, Trudeau's not quite that way. He's, um, uh, according to one of his teachers, um, quoted in a book that I read on the subject, uh, Trudeau is not a genius. Oof. Yeah, it's rough. It's rough when your teachers are hating on you like that. <laughs> In Vancouver, yeah, he, he gets his uh, teaching uh, certification or his uh, teaching bachelor bachelor of education. He goes on to teach at a private school called West Point Gray Academy. Um, there, he kind of runs into some problems with uh, the administrators for being a bit of a, a bit of a wacky guy, you know, kind of a character. He uh, he liked to goof around and stuff. So uh, that that apparently got into some trouble. So he moved uh, away from the more austere. Uh, West Point Gray Academy to a public school called Winston Churchill Secondary School. Okay. And, uh, yeah, the conservatives like to rag on Trudeau for being a drama teacher, which, you know, was a subject he taught, but he also taught the humanities, French, and math. Well, look at that. Okay. He's, he's, he's not, not a genius teaching middle school math. Hey, middle, middle school math <laughs> is... Um, uh, hard to this day, you know, long division, uh, it, it messes me up, I can't do it. And I feel like I would have done pretty well if Trudeau had been my teacher. Uh, why? He would have, he no. would have added like some pizzazz to, uh, mm, yeah. to the, to the course, I think. Yeah, he would gently hold your hand and whisper in your ear that you could do it. And you would He's believe He's encouraging it. that way. He is. Yeah, you know, he just... He really gets up and close with the students, uh, allegedly. Mm. Allegedly, oh. okay. <laughs> allegedly, we're not. We're not going to talk. Uh, uh, we're that's. Not, we're not. Gonna, that's. Uh, we're not going to. Okay. 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 However, we will get to one thing that he did along those lines later on in the podcast. Right. So, um, so there was a tragedy in his life. There's actually a back-to-back tragedy with the death of his brother Mikael, who was uh, snowboarding or skiing um, in Kootenay, which is um, in BC. He was in the backcountry in a more of a dangerous kind of area. And the avalanche actually, you know, wiped out him and his friends and pushed them into, uh, pushed them into a lake. 
and mm-hmm. uh, because of the heavy equipment he was wearing, um, he was unable to um, to uh, swim back up. His his friends survived. His friends survived, but uh, mm-hmm. Mikhail unfortunately drowned, and his body was never recovered. God, that's kind of fucked up. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty sad story, and so you know that was uh, that eventually prompted Trudeau to join and partner up with um, avalanche protection like agencies and organizations and. That would like uh, raise funds for those victims of avalanches and uh, and also promote avalanche safety. Mm. There's there's nothing really funny about this story. No. It's it's a sad one. And uh, yeah, two years after that, in 2000, you know Trudeau's father dies, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, and it's during uh, during the funeral that Trudeau delivers a eulogy that launches him into the spotlight. And Prime Minister, but more than anything, to me. He was dad. <laughs> and what a dad. You know, with the death of his father and brother, you know, Trudeau's kind of missing home. He wants to get back to his family, to his roots. So he goes back to Montreal, and it's there that he tries to get a degree from McGill in environmental geography, which he eventually gives up on. Mm. However, you know, schooling doesn't work out for him, but romance certainly does. Trudeau meets his uh, future wife, Sophie Gregoire. Gregor? Again, I can't do Gre- French. Gre- I don't. Gregor, yeah. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so Sophie Gregor was um, a friend of Mikhail and someone that Trudeau had known at his time in Brebeuf. And so on their first date, uh, Trudeau actually says that he would like to marry her, that they're going to get married. God. On a- on the first date. Taylor, Taylor, romance, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about that? Romance is real. This, this is restoring my faith in humanity right here. Thank you, Trudeau. So you would say that's a romantic thing then? Oh, like you're pro... Ex- extremely. I mean, hey, they're married. You, you know? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, it's, it's a nice... It's a very cute story, but I feel like the success rate of, you know, telling someone this is... Uh, Unless you happen to be the son of a very famous and rich mm-hmm. uh, politician, now passed. Yeah, pl- please, please don't do this ever. Um, no, you should ask on the first date uh, your your future partner to marry you. I think it's a perfectly perfectly sensible thing to do. I mean, n- no, please, please don't. You know, um, you got to hail Mary it. I mean, hey, it worked for Trudeau, and it will work for you too. <laughs> it's that easy, folks. It is that easy, if you're Trudeau. You know, Trudeau, um, during his eight years in the, um, in Montreal, he kind of stays out of the, the spotlight. He, he works for a few organizations and boards that tend towards helping the youth and the environment. Uh, but it isn't until 2008 that he dips his toes into political waters. Uh, and also before this, actually, uh, he played the character Talbot Papineau in The Great War, uh, made-for-TV movie produced by the CBC, I believe. Oh, really? I could yeah. I could watch this. The nude scene wasn't really supposed to be a nude scene until someone showed me a picture of, you know, soldiers bathing in World War One, one of his ancestors, and it was just, you know, white bums as far as the eye could see the whole way down the beach. I said, well, you know what? If that was what they did, then that's what I'll do. You could watch it. Okay. Uh, this podcast is sponsored by CBC Gem. <laughs> Your tax money at work. Okay, so, right. So Trudeau, you know, dips his toes into political waters in the riding of Papineau in Montreal. 
and Papineau's quite a uh, quite a diverse writing. So so Trudeau runs in this. Um, he runs for uh, the Liberal nomination to be the Liberal nominee in this race, and he competes against uh, against a few people. Uh, one of those people is Martha Hall Finlay, and during the race, the two of them had, and there are other uh, nominees as well. She said to Justin, Justin, you keep referring to the middle class, but you yourself have admitted you don't belong to the middle class. I find it a little challenging to understand how you would understand the challenges facing real Canadians. Yes, queen, With- <laughs> girl boss, go off. Yeah. Fucking get no. his ass. It's true. Sorry, and uh, I feel like I'm swearing too much also, but it's, it's, uh, it's okay. Should I stop? Are you sure? I can't. No, this <sighs> this is uh this is an R-rated podcast, folks. Great. Maybe even NC-17. We'll yeah. have to see. This is going to get in the way of our sponsorships. Okay. Go, yeah, our, our many sponsorships. Mm-hmm. And so I guess I should also backtrack a little bit and kind of explain Justin Trudeau's um, philosophy, political philosophy, which is... Uh, an interesting one to say the least. Um, Gerald Butts, and who was a friend of Justin and ended up being a political partner with him. Long time friend. Lifetime. Very long time friend. Lifetime, yeah. From the cradle on. <laughs> so he says of Justin, Justin and I are both very traditional philosophical liberals and that the individual is paramount and government ought to be in the business of expanding opportunities for individuals. Right. And do you have any thoughts on that quote there, Taylor? Free market, baby. Open it up. Free the market. Hell yeah. That's, you love to see it. I mean, hey, it's nice to see it written out. Justin Trudeau is often critiqued as a socialist by uh, <laughs> uh, unhinged wish. weirdos yeah. on Facebook Jesus. Uh, as a communist, but that's neither reflected in his policies or in his thinking, Unfortunately. as you can see in that quote. <laughs> yeah, it'd be cool if Trudeau was a communist. That'd be great. Yeah. It'd be something. Uh, but he's not. And as Martha Finlay, you know, points points out, you know, he's just a rich kid. He's a rich kid who, you know, tries to grab the heart and wallet of the middle class. And it's an act. It's a charade. It's um, and the middle class is uh, an easy thing, an easy, an easy kind of uh, message to go for because everyone thinks they're in the middle class. <laughs> exactly. It's all of yeah. us. <laughs> We're and all middle class. Yeah. There is no class. We're a class of society. Didn't you know? Oh, I wish. Yeah, it's the dream. Class of society, baby. Right, so Justin Justin beat out the other competitors, the other... The other oh, what libs. the fuck do you call them? Yeah, the other <laughs> the other people running the Liberal Party. Yeah. So that means he gets to face off with Vivian Barbeau, mm-hmm. who is an MP with the Bloc Québécois. Québécois. Okay, nope, that was... Edit that out. That was, Ke- that was worse. Nope. Bloc Québécois. Yeah. It's got a little bit of a ring to it, you know? It does. I would vote yeah. for them. I Yeah, I they wouldn't wouldn't help you I wouldn't or vote. do anything for yeah, you. I, no, I'm s- <laughs> I regret saying that. So Vivian Barbeau had this to share while while her and Justin were running for the MP nomination. So <laughs> Vivian Barbe- Barbeau, she says, "I never got through to the real person deep down. In any case, Trudeau only gives you a half handshake with his fingertips." It's really unpleasant. That Which... sounds extremely unpleasant. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable thinking about this. What? Yeah, I'm picturing a very wet hand. Oh. Visualize if you would, mm-hmm. please. Justin Trudeau's limp hand, his fingers mm. brushing against yours. Just, just Disgusting. a little wet. 
not not soaking, but no. You wonder. So during the race, Justin Trudeau was a killer. He is probably one of the best retail politicians that are out there. People love him. Yeah. He's got he's got charisma and uh, nothing else. <laughs> he's, he's got lots of charisma. What more do you need and to money. be a politician? And yes, money. That's it. <laughs> money and charisma. What? Yeah, you don't really need anything more. The emptiness of Justin Trudeau is something that many people have commented on. Gills Duceppe said about Justin Trudeau, I didn't agree with Justin's father, although I have to say he was an intellectual <laughs> of a high caliber. As for the son, does he actually have any ideas? So, so Justin, he wins the, the riding of Papineau uh, with a margin of 1,189 votes, which is around 2.8% of the vote. Uh, a small margin. He, he, really, he really got by by the skin of his teeth. Squeaked it out. Uh, but, you know, he's an MP. Uh, he, he, he stays a backbencher. He's not the most prominent of MPs, but he is in the House of Commons, you know. In 2008, uh, Stephen Harper's conservatives formed a minority party with uh, the Liberals and NDP taking up the other majority of the seats. You know, the Bloc, Bloc Québécois and Green Party, they're represented as well, but very minorly. Mm-hmm. You know, Justin Trudeau has his uh, time as an MP, uh, and not, not too much really happens in the, in the next four years leading up to the uh, 2011 election. Um, so the 2011 election happens, and the Liberals are eviscerated. Uh, the Conservatives form their majority... So in 2011, um, the leader of the party at that time was uh, was Michael Ignatieff. So so Ignatieff uh, he resigns, and the interim leader Bob Ray takes uh, takes the reins as the interim leader. Uh, he he thinks about running, uh, but uh, ends up deciding uh, deciding not to run. And this opens up the the gates for a whole bunch of uh, promising liberal leaders. One of which is our friend Justin Trudeau. Mm, okay. All right. So Justin Trudeau, he wins the liberal leadership position in 2013, April 14, 2013, with 80% of the total uh, votes represented by members of the Liberal Party, those who can vote. Mm. Now, Justin Trudeau is now the head of the Liberal Party. Here's a fun little quote that I found. Uh, one of his campaign aides uh, told this to John Iveson for his book called Trudeau. Uh, the quote goes, one young woman said, do you think Trudeau would want to have a threesome with my friend and I afterwards? Can you ask him? The campaign aide said, no, I'm not going to ask him that. So, I mean, obviously the campaign aide was fired when Trudeau heard about this. <laughs> oh, no. He's like, well, what do you mean you said no? <laughs> oh, no. Well, I mean, you know, obviously uh, an impromptu threesome uh, is probably not a good look for the liberal leader. I mean, it's cool. It's pretty cool. It's very cool. It is. It is very cool. cool. Threesomes are cool. Oh yeah. Um, so while uh, Trudeau is in the is the leader of the Liberal Party, the Conservatives call a general election for August fourth of twenty fifteen, and this is one of the longest elections in Canadian history, uh, lasting eleven weeks. Most most elections in Canada last around five weeks. I know in America it's like what like four years <laughs> of like an election campaign or some nonsense, uh, yeah. but in Canada they're pretty short. They're they're pretty Nobody short. Gives a fuck. Um, yeah, no one cares about Canada. We don't care about Canada. No. We're just doing this for laughs. Yeah, just for the goofs. Just for the goofs. So yeah, so the the election is a long thing, and the Conservatives think that this will be in their favor. 
and they they start off as favorites along with the NDP as well uh, because in the 2011 election the NDP run by Jack Layton ended up taking uh, official opposition status with his NDP party which is a first for them as a federal party they uh, they've always kind of been third party status um, federally they don't have the best standings but uh, Jack Layton really really did a lot for that party and it was called the orange wave because that's the colors of the NDP party that's right but the Liberals were cooked. The Liberal Party had done horrible in the 2011 election. And so during the 2015 election, you know, the NDP was actually considered to be the likely winner of either a minority or majority oh, government. So, I, Yeah. But it would have been under Tom Mulca- Thomas Mulcair. And the, the f- yeah. Have they met this man? Have they seen him? Have they seen him in Tom motion? Mulcair, I don't hate him as much as other people do, but yeah, Tom, Tom will care. Tommy boy, you know, he's, he's got some issues. He's got a few issues, you know. Just a few. Uh, and we'll probably do a podcast on him because I feel like no one can do with too much more care. Right. I've been needing my more care fix. It's been, it's been a while. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I haven't seen uh, old more care in a long time, you know. Oh, he's out there. But uh, yeah, the NDP shit the bed and the conservatives shit the bed. Honestly, they both didn't do very well. And Justin Trudeau did, you know, he, he did end up with a majority government. Spoiler alert, he won the election in 2015. No. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Uh, he won the election. Let's see. He won the election with... 184 um, seats and a majority government. Seats. Wow. And you need 170 to form a majority. 14 seats got him across the line, and the conservatives ended up forming the official opposition, and the NDP slunk back to a defeated status, unfortunately. Uh, yep, yep. And during this during this election, like Trudeau really, really spun the charm, and I think a quote by Robert Aslin, a Canadian author and business person, really sums up kind of uh, my feelings on Justin Trudeau. Uh, the quote goes, I once said to a journalist, And I kind of regretted it afterwards. In English, I said, Justin is like a girl, a beautiful girl you meet for the first time. You find her so beautiful that all you can think is, my God, is she ever gorgeous? Which means you are less inclined to listen to what she has to say and so forth. I sometimes have the same impression with Justin. He has good looks, he is charming, and has an engaging smile. And people don't get past that. Mm What more do you need? Once again, but we're here to help you, folks. <laughs> we're here to we're here to scrape the charm off all Trudeau. It's you know, true. I mean, the six or so years in office have done a pretty good job of doing that as well. I don't, have um, you seen his goatee though? He's he's transcended. He's daddy now. The son became the father. You know, <laughs> but we aren't talking about that, yeah. Justin. Not yet. No, we're talking about we're talking about baby boy Justin during the election. Stephen Harper had this to say of Justin Trudeau. Could Justin Trudeau run on run the economy? In 2015, we're not choosing the winner of Canadian Idol. The only trade Justin has been working on is the marijuana trade. He didn't. That is. All right. You know, so you got, you got to love him. <laughs> yeah, one last quote on Justin Trudeau uh, during this biography section. Uh, again, by John Iveson. Uh, Justin credits his wide-ranging reading habits for helping to preserve his political personality as an open-minded centrist. Just as many of his contemporaries pledge themselves to the Communist Manifesto or Atlas Shrugged, both (laughs) terrible books, by the way. (laughs) No, I don't know. I actually had to read the Manifesto. I mean, it's, what is it, 70 pages? Why wouldn't you read the Manifesto? It's a little book. It's a little little baby book. Read the Communist Manifesto. Atlas Shrugged is 
don't do not read i mean please read ayn rand please uh because then you'll realize how empty and vacuous libertarian uh, conservative politics are this is true all right so that concludes uh, the biography section of this podcast Okay, so now we're going to talk about some of the highlights, some of the really big mistakes, some of the good things that Justin Trudeau did, kind of just throughout his life, but mostly focused on his uh, time in uh, Papineau and also as the leader of the Liberal Party from 2013 on to 2015. As you will have noted, we'll only be discussing um, up until the 2015 election, because there's just a lot to cover. There's just a lot. There's a lot. Yes. All right, so the first story is uh, Justin Trudeau's boxing match with conservative senator Patrick Brzeau. So, so they boxed in a, in a match put together by Final Round Boxing on March 31st, 2012, and this was something that was uh, raising funds for cancer. Right, so Justin Trudeau and Patrick Brzeau had both lost people to cancer, so this was a fairly significant cause on their part. And uh, it also ended up being one of the most important political uh, events in Justin Trudeau's life, aside from the eulogy uh, that he did for his father. Yeah, it's up there. It's up memorable, there. legendary. Uh, so, so basically, the the thing is, you know, Patrick Brzeau, he's a a member. He's a reservist in the Canadian Armed Forces, a black belt in karate, karate, and he was fairly physically imposing as compared to Trudeau. Uh, quite built, um, just a very a very strong man. And Trudeau's kind of this more like kind of this wispy kind of guy. I mean, he is. I mean, he's been studying, like, athletic things and um, sporting things for most of his life. So he's, he's in shape as well, but he doesn't pose as uh, intimidating a figure as uh, Brzeau. And so many yeah. people really assumed that Justin Trudeau would eat shit in this fight. And his, his political aides were like, please, please, God, do not, do not do this. Do not do this. Because at this time, he was um, an MP in Papineau. You know, he, he had a political life at this point. But Justin Trudeau was uh, pretty adamant that he could win this fight, and he ended up training with uh, an accomplished boxer. Uh, Justin Trudeau had been boxing for most of his life, but he never actually participated in a proper boxing match. They were both into boxing and uh, thought this would be a good event for charity and also uh, politically expedient to either uh, either person, as if, you know, if the conservatives won, then, you know, puny Justin Trudeau could be put back in his place. And if Trudeau won... <laughs> He could flip over the narrative that he's just a weak pussy that uh, <laughs> got a $1.2 million inheritance from his father. Just a small loan of $1.2 million. <laughs> yes, a loan. That's what inheritance inheritance is. <laughs> okay, so, you know, so the boxing match, it happens. You know, Brazo comes out swinging against Trudeau and, like, pummels him. Like, he really hits him quite hard. Justin Trudeau said, you know, being hit by Brazo was the hardest he'd ever been hit in his life. And, um... It, it, it kind of like enthused the crowd. They're like, oh, yeah, that's right, Brazil. You know, kick this little rich boy's ass. And, uh, it's about time. Ezra, Ezra Levant, who's this psycho uh, who works for the, the, the Sun, he was commentating for the event and he was like, That's right. And so the raw power that I think Brazo brings, look at the guy, he's so tough. If Brazo hits a punch that hurts, that doesn't count as much as Trudeau going boop, 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 jazzercise style. I think that Trudeau took up boxing because it's a little bit more masculine than Jazzercise, not as much as Taibo. That's that's how he is. But the Manawaki Mauler, my bet's on him. No one was really in favor of Trudeau, but after the first round, uh, Justin Trudeau kind of came back. See, he had a strategy that he would he would um, exhaust 
Patrick Brazil in the first round, playing more defensively, and in the second and third round, come back swinging, which he did. And by this point, like Brazil was tired out, no energy. He'd given his all because he, he just wanted to wipe this kid out in the first round. Uh, but, you know, Justin Trudeau played it pretty smart, and he'd been training for a long time, so he ended up winning in the third round. Destroyed. All right. Yeah. It was, uh, it was a pretty powerful moment, I mean, for the political guy, for the political careers of Trudeau, because, yeah, really no one thought he would win. Mm-hmm. If he won this, what else could he win? What else could he win? The country would soon find out. So uh, both men had agreed that if either of them lost, then they would lose their hair. And since, uh, so, so uh, Patrick Brazeau, he was, uh, he's from a reserve, he's an, Algo- he's an Algonquin from the Kitigan Zibi Reserve in Quebec. And to indigenous people, you know, the hair is an important and uh, culturally important symbolic. Uh, <laughs> okay, so your point is whoever lost, they're losing their hair. Yeah, that was... And, yeah. And for Brazil, this is especially significant uh, because he's indigenous. Uh, so, so, so Trudeau kind of was like, ah, uh, like I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I want to cut off all your hair. And Brazil's like, no, do it. And uh, Brazil, good for him. He ended up uh, donating all of his hair uh, as a wig for uh, cancer patients. Awesome. He's a good guy. I mean, Brazil. Yeah. I mean, Brazil would later get caught up in the the Senate, uh, <laughs> a, a Senate scandal. Uh, a little bit afterwards, uh, which was a bit yikesy, oh. uh, but that oh, we no. won't get into that. We won't touch that. Oh no! Yeah, not today. Yeah, and uh, it's funny. So Brazo, um, a lot of people really consider this event to be very uh, important in Justin Trudeau's writing for the Liberal Party because you know he's sp- he sprung. I remember reading these news articles when it first came out. Like this was a huge deal. Justin Trudeau had won this boxing match, and he was you know propelled to the. Uh, to the to the front of people's political imagination so mm-hmm. brazo brazo says this in an interview six years later i'm still waiting for a thank you from the liberal party i truly believe that if i'd won justin trudeau would not be prime minister which i think is true honestly yeah he's he's right yeah thanks a lot brazo <laughs> <laughs> and uh in customary fashion justin trudeau had to say some stupid shit in the Rolling Stones in 2017, Trudeau made these comments about the match, looking back on it. I wanted someone who would be a good foil, and we stumbled upon the scrappy tough guy senator from an indigenous community. Brazo mm. fit the bill, and it was a very nice counterpoint. I saw it as the right kind of narrative, <laughs> the right story to tell. <laughs> and I, I don't know oh. what the fuck Trudeau meant what by this. story... This is just another story of a white man dominating an indigenous man. Like, I, like what does he mean? Like, this is the uh, counterpoint, the right kind of narrative? Like, what? what ooh, a like, counterpoint to... Uh, I, okay, if I, if I was... I don't... See, the, the thing... He, he was a... He was prim- This is 2017. Yeah, this what? is 2017. And I mean, even if it wasn't that... What... What I also literally don't know what he's trying to say. I feel like you couldn't say anything worse. Okay, the the main issue is that Trudeau says characterizes Brazil as a scrappy tough guy from an indigenous community. Mm-hmm. Like that's like he could he could say these comments in like, oh yeah, the liberals were beating up the conservatives. Yeah, why not? Yeah. But just the way he frames the whole thing, ah, I don't know, man, Trudeau. That's <laughs> it was a very. Stupid. I saw this as the right kind of narrative. Like, mm, yes. Yeah. Continue the legacy of 
ongoing genocide. No, it's 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 awful comments. And this landed him in like really hot water with indigenous activists. To be fair, like Brazil took the took the quote as a compliment. At least that's was that was his official stance on what Justin Trudeau said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, hot water like the water they have to boil and continue <laughs> to boil for decades. Yeah. Hey, Justin Trudeau. How, how about how about water for the reserves? How's that going? How's that? Uh... Mm, there's a lot of infrastructure issues. Yeah, he's, with he's the pandemic. It's just he's there's too, only so much we can do. He's too built. He's too busy building pipelines uh, through reserves to uh, attend mm-hmm. to water. Yep. Good for you, Trudeau. Okay. Um, the next one. This is a classic Trudeau tale. All right. So this story is about Justin Trudeau's speaking fees, uh, both before he was an MP. And after he was an MP in 2008. So along with his $1.2 million inheritance uh, Justin received from his father, he would also receive speaking fees from board, from school boards and organizations. In 2006, he received a total of $290,000 in 2006. And in 2007, he received 462000 That's crazy. Woo! That's, that's insane. That's I mean. wish. Wait, so half a million? Yeah, he received nearly half a million in speaking fees mm. over the year. And then once he was mm. an, once he was elected as an MP in Papineau... Uh, what, was his, he, what was his job when this was happening? Get get to work, Trudeau. What he is was on this? The, he was on boards. Oh, God. Doing board stuff. Justin Joe was single-handedly um, stopping avalanches in Kootenay. <laughs> it's just sad. It's a sad story. I don't know why I keep making... I'm just imagining Trudeau out there with, like, sticks of dynamite just going along the mountainside, inadvertently setting off more avalanches that he stops. Oh, no. Yeah. Right. So, when he was an MP in Papineau, during the four years that he served... Served? During the four years that he was an MP, he made, in total, uh, $277,000 in speaking fees, which is roughly $70,000 a year. In speaking fees if paid out equally and that's a lot of money seventy thousand is much more than a lot of those uh, middle-class canadians that he uh, (laughs) likes so much i made a mistake yeah and here's an interesting story uh this is a quote from john ivis john iverson so so iverson writes the grace foundation had paid speaker spotlight the agency representing trudeau to twenty thousand dollars for him to appear in june 2012 the Grace Foundation had hoped for a sellout crowd to raise funds to buy furniture for a home for the elderly in St. John, but only sold 120 tickets, worth a total of $6,000, which barely covered the venue rental and advertising costs. The charity incurred a $21,000 loss. Trudeau declined to refund the foundation on the basis that all contractual obligations had been fulfilled, but it did not reflect well on the new liberal leader, who was made to appear as generous as a pawnbroker for refusing to bend on repayment, at least initially. After the story broke, Trudeau said he would either reimburse or work with organizations <laughs> he spoke to as an MP. Wow. That's, that's nice. Look at that. You know, he... No, that's... Literally, what does $20,000 mean to him? Nothing. It's nothing. Nothing. Ju- Justin Justin Trudeau, what a cheap... Ugh. Cheap bastard cheap bastard he doesn't care about old people can you can you imagine being a millionaire as i assume that he is or at least you know was or is probably both um yes you know signing up for this charity that ends up failing and i mean you know it's not his fault that the charity failed i mean charities are also kind of problematic if you uh 
you know, some of them anyways. I, I just, I feel bad for the elderly in St. John, you know? Me too. There is no furniture bought. <laughs> they incurred the a $21,000 loss. <laughs> and Justin Trudeau, fuck? who had 20000 of that, was like, oh, that sucks to suck, I guess, you know? <laughs> Shouldn't be old. Did my job. Yeah. The mm-hmm. the obligations were contractually uh, fulfilled. Suck my dick. So yeah, so Justin Trudeau, you know, he makes so much money through speaking fees, and this really clashes with his image of like, you know, a, a person like um, a, a populist, which mm-hmm. a lot of people have called him, um, you know, for his um, a- allegedly socialist policies and rhetoric, <laughs> which of course it's, you know, these are conservatives and weirdos saying this stuff. Justin Trudeau, he's a rich guy, he makes money, he's a neoliberal, he's he's not, <laughs> he's not in any sense of the word a socialist. So the Liberal Party, uh, so the next story is, uh, and this is kind of a fun one, <laughs> right? So during his, uh, during his bid for uh, leadership of the Liberal Party in uh, March 14th of 2013, uh, Trudeau ends up running against an extension deadline, or a deadline, uh, sorry, a deadline for gaining supporters. And he goes and asks the Liberal Party establishment if they can move up the deadline. And you know what? They do. They move it up by a week. They happily accommodate Trudeau so he can get more supporters in Quebec where he desperately needs them. I mean, the funny thing is about this thing is that Trudeau honestly didn't need that many more supporters. He was basically a lock. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, he won by 80%. His, uh, why, why is he, what's, what's the deal? I don't, I don't know. He just wanted to firm things up in Quebec. So, you know, Justin Trudeau, he's accommodated by the Liberal Party establishment. Meanwhile, uh, another contender called, uh, named Joyce Murray. Uh, who's a bit more left uh, compared to Trudeau's uh, conservative centrist stances. Uh, she also asked for an extension, you know? He, if he yeah. gets one, why can't I? You know? Makes sense. Um, yeah. She received no reply from the party establishment. Nothing oh. at all. Well, no. Is this like a, they left her on red? They left her on red. And uh, on this on this subject, Murray says, that's the way it was. If things didn't work out Justin's way, dot, dot, dot. And yeah. yeah, Justin Trudeau was very much favored by the Liberal Party, especially after, especially after his uh, win over Brazil. All right, so let's talk about our next story, which is the Senate reform that Trudeau did as leader of the Liberal Party. All so, right. so the Senate is an interesting thing in Canadian politics. I know in America that there is both the um, the House and the Senate, and they're both elected, and they yeah they're both elected in Canada. Members of the Senate are not elected, they are appointed, and they are typically, I believe, lifetime appointments, or until 75? Yes. Yeah. Yes to both. So the, Senate's, uh, the, Senate's, the Senate is an odd duck and has been a political hot-button issue for quite a long time, and uh, during, the, uh, during the, uh, the lead-up to the election in 2015, uh, conservative uh, senators had gone to... Just a little bit of trouble with some spending, uh, some illicit spending. Well, I mean, it's is it not their money? It's fine. They I should it. also add, yeah, right, they earned it. It's it's hard work being a senator. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the hardest. Uh, there's actually also a liberal uh, senator member that was also convicted of illicit spending. Mm, shame. Yeah, he was slapped with federal charges. And it's funny, like at first, uh, Justin Trudeau was like, Oh yeah, you know we gotta we gotta wait and see what the evidence w- weighs out. You know if he's free, if he's or if he's innocent. Sorry, you know we'll welcome we'll welcome welcome him right back into the fold. 
Uh, no, he, he, he was not <laughs> innocent. Very guilty, actually. Well, Welp. So, you know, with that context given, uh, the Liberal Party and other parties as well were like, what the, f- what do we do with the Senate? The, the Liberals decided that they would expel Liberal senators from the Liberal Party caucus. So what this basically means is that a lot of senators are appointed by parties and, you know, the Senate will review legislation that's passed through the House of Commons. Mm-hmm. And they and have so, to approve it, right? Yeah, for it to pass, they have to approve it. So essentially, you know, these liberal senators were appointed by the liberal party and they were members of it. And essentially they voted in whatever direction the liberals voted, the liberal MPs voted, you know, the members of parliament in the House of Commons. So yeah. Justin Trudeau decided to expel 32, you know, the 32 liberal senators in the in the Senate from the party and essentially made them into independents. Okay. And this is an interesting move. Essentially, he wanted to depoliticize the Senate, which is very weird because the Senate's supposed to be this independent group that, you know, reviews divorced from the politics of the House of Commons are to review the legislation that's passed through it. Mm-hmm. You know, like a second check, make sure everything's a-okay. Right. Which in theory, sure, but in practice, like how the fuck could the Senate not be a political yeah, body? Just pull people off the streets. That's it. Yeah, it, it's... Right, so so Huguet Young in her book on Justin writes, From now onward, Justin Dudo declared liberal senators would be accountable neither to the liberal party nor to himself as leader. They could act and speak freely on draft legislation and come to their own decisions without being subject to party discipline or to my own directives, he said in an interview. Okay. I mean, you know, being free from consequence is good at the hands of a party. I mean, they're still libs. Am I wrong? I mean, the, the idea itself is... Okay, so like, you know... This is what Trudeau puts out. You know, he wants to make the Senate into an independent body that can, you know, check the partisan efforts in the House of Commons. Which is what it was supposed to be in the first place. Which is, exactly. The the, the thing is, that's probably not what he wanted to do. In fact, what he probably wanted to do was get the Senate the hell away from the Liberal Party <laughs> because they've been, because they've been so corruption. Uh, and the, yeah. the Senate does not have a good record uh, or is is not well regarded uh, by most Canadian citizens on both sides of the political spectrum. Mm-hmm. They're really seen as this kind of lethargic, uh, <laughs> basically basically uh, party central in the government. You know, if you want to be a senator and kick your feet up, smoke some cigars, drink some scotch, be a senator. Sounds pretty um, good. I know it sounds great. I'd love to be a senator. If anyone wants to nominate me to a <laughs> senatorship, I will take it. Uh, no questions asked. Right, so the the Senate, you know, the liberal the liberal senators are kicked out of the caucus. They are now, you know, independents. But you know what these guys do? These senators, mm-hmm. they form the Senate Liberal Caucus. All they right, they form their own party. Okay. So essentially, the move is kind of meaningless. <laughs> I mean, okay. So to be fair, the uh, this the 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 it actually wasn't meaningless because a lot of senators really took issue with this. Mm. Why They're like, do I've. Do they not get certain benefits if they're not in the party? What is, what's um, the issue? Well, uh, I mean, they were like, well, I've been a liberal been my a whole lib- life. What do you mean? I've been a lib my entire life. You can't take this away from me, Trudeau. So this, you know, the ex-liberal senators formed the Senate Liberal Caucus, 
which dissolves in 2019, and now they're called the Progressive Senate Group, which means they're good. They're progressive. I mean, liberal and progressive go together, and that is not sarcastic. I I mean that (laughs) wholeheartedly. I know you do. That is the lips. So you know what? I'm all for it. You go, Progressive Senate Group. All right, so now we've got two. We got two more stories here, and these are these are juicy. These are good. Oh you're, you're gonna wanna, you're gonna wanna crank the volume. You're you're gonna wanna you gotta wanna remember this. Actually, the first one's actually the first one's kind of bad. Uh, this, the the one after that though, which they're kind of tied together, is um is good, but bad, good bad. Mm, well, You'll see. Okay. Yeah. Let's. I'll I'll stop hyping this up because that's uh usually a mistake to do. Yeah. Well, you know, this is something worth hyping. This is exciting and good. Go on. Okay. So, to get serious for a second, we do want to let you know that there's a content warning for the next, uh, how long? 15, 20 minutes? Uh, for discussions of sexual assault, uh, sexual misconduct, not going into super detailed accounts, but still, if that's the kind of thing that makes you uncomfortable, feel free to skip. There will be timestamps below so you can see when this segment ends. Um, Okay, so in the fall of 2014, uh, Justin Trudeau suspends two liberal MPs, one by the name of Massimo Pacetti and the other Scott Andrews, for allegations of serious personal misconduct. Essentially, there are allegations of sexual I'm just going to say sexual misconduct for to make it easy, but that's not to make light of it, mm-hmm. light of what happened. So, you know, he suspends these two liberal MPs, members of parliament. And the reason behind this, it would later be revealed, is that an unnamed female NDP MP, so a member of parliament who was an NDP, this, uh, this, this MP was behind the allegations and had been the victim of non-consensual sex with MP Massimo Pacetti, allegedly. Mm-hmm. Although, actually, actually, I don't know if I have to say allegedly. I think it was... Yeah, I believe they did an investigation, though they never publicized it. It was an independent investigation. Right. I don't think any... There were no criminal charges uh, put forward. No. So, essentially, the story between this NDP MP and Pacetti is that they both attended a sporting event in Ottawa. Then they went out with, for a couple of drinks with their friends. Pacetti, you know, invites her up to his uh, hotel room at around 2 a.m., the MP's like, yeah, whatever, you know, it's already pretty late, might as well. Uh, I'll, I'll quote the CBC story on this on this matter. All right, so here's the quote. So once in the room, the NDP, NDP MP <laughs> says she sat in a chair while Pacetti sat on the bed. Eventually, she says Pacetti patted the spot on the bed beside him, asking her to sit with him. I said, no, I'm good here in my chair. I went to the bathroom to try to find a solution to leave, she said. When she returned to get her purse from the chair, she alleges Pacetti pulled her to him as she passed by. The MP won't go into precise details of what happened next, other than she froze and blocked out the situation. She said she had previously been the victim of a violent sexual assault. She alleges it was sex without her explicit consent. I felt used. I felt there was a total absence of consideration, she said. During a confidential meeting with the Liberal and NDP whips, multiple sources have told the Canadian press that the woman acknowledged she did not explicitly say no to Bassetti and, and that she provided a condom. In the interview, she refused to comment on those details. For days afterwards, she said she was in pain and had trouble sitting down. She has seen a therapist and has taken time off of work. Is she alleging rape, then? The MP said she's no expert in criminology and so doesn't want to put a legal label on it. 
So mm. yeah, yeah. Don't that's the st- don't love the way that's uh, framed, but you can definitely tell in the story by the CBC that there is some sympathy for for both Massimo or sorry for both Bassetti and uh, Andrews, mm-hmm. which you know my my personal feelings on this. I don't know. I, I mean, don't. if she's alleging that it's sex without explicit consent, and really consent uh, is something that can only be explicit, in my opinion. That sounds, you know, she might not be an expert in criminology, but that sounds like rape to me. Regardless yeah. of if she went to the room with the condom, if she didn't explicitly say no, even though, again, you know, at the beginning, she said, I'm good over here. No, <laughs> which is saying no. So yeah. that it was her not offering. That was her explicitly uh, retracting consent or there wasn't any to begin with. No, that's that's a good point to bring up. And I, I think my main issue with this story is really how Justin Trudeau handles it. So after the events of this uh, of this of this allegation, the event. Yeah. After after this happened, the NDP. uh apparently spoke with Trudeau about the incident. And that's kind of interesting. I don't know why she went to Trudeau. I guess maybe she expected that he would... I think she says in when she's like when she's telling her story to the press that she basically wanted Trudeau just to be aware of issues with some members in his party. Right. Which I think is good. But with, with these situations, you do... I mean, the political ramifications, you do somewhat have to wonder i don't know i'm not gonna yeah. speculate well, in another too much. article i believe she said that she was hoping that there would be some kind of investigation internally and that she didn't want it to happen mm. to anyone else okay well that's that's admirable mm-hmm. I, I, and also during the during this conversation with trudeau she also revealed her concerns about a situation involving a colleague who had allegations against another liberal MP, Scott Andrews. And it was a week later that Trudeau revealed in a news conference that he would be suspending both Andrews and Pacetti. So concerning Andrews, I'll just quote the CBC here again. Um, you know, they, I paid for, for them with my tax money, so <laughs> might as well. Uh, the CBC writes, The separate incident involving Andrews allegedly started at a social event on Parliament Hill before the woman, Andrews, and Pacetti went from there to Pacetti's office where they drank some wine. Eventually, Pacetti left, leaving Andrews and the woman alone. According to sources, the woman alleges that Andrews followed her home, forced his way through her door, pushed her against the wall, groped her, and ground his pelvis against her. She ordered him to leave. He did. Afterwards, sources say the woman alleges that Andrews repeatedly repeatedly verbally harassed her, calling her a cock teaser. Mm, Just a real piece of shit. Yeah, that's uh, not a good look. No. Um, uh, I should note, both Bassetti and Andrews maintain their innocence, and both men are also married. Hmm. So, you know, for both political and marital reasons, I suppose both men would want to maintain their innocence. Though, as of now, both men are no longer involved with the Liberal Party. Mm Mm-hmm. So the main issue, and this is what the CBC covers, uh, they write, The reputations of Bassetti and Andrews have been shredded, and new Democrats have furiously denounced Trudeau for making the matter public, against the wishes of the two women. Trudeau has insisted he had a duty to act after one of the women directly complained to him. So that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Trudeau could act, but why did he have to make a big show of it? It sounds like they Mm -hmm. didn't want it to be 
made a big deal of and like reading the reports they're kept anonymous but i imagine within the political world everybody probably knew i mean i would imagine that people knew who the um do you know what i'm saying (laughs) like us we don't know but it could have negatively impacted them uh further and further traumatized them no absolutely i mean if they had wished for this not to go out publicly then it's kind of odd that Trudeau would just go ahead and do it anyways, especially since... Right. So there are two things here, right? So it's not it's not very politically expedient to reveal that two members of your own party are sexual harassers. But also, if you don't let this be known, if you don't act, then then, then this reflects very poorly, very poorly on yourself as the leader of the party. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think Trudeau was placed in kind of a difficult situation. And I also think that... He perhaps saw it as a as a moment to show both his leadership and also his moral standing, you know, as someone who is very much opposed to this kind of behavior, which I can, I mean, it's, it's good to be against this. Right. I mean, yeah. And I think, again, the main concern is that, especially in that context, you know, he wants to affirm that he is against this and won't stand for it in his party. But yeah, I understand why he did it as well. But for me, the main concern and in one of the articles, the original NDP MP who brought the allegation to Trudeau, uh, the victim of Pacetti, I read in another CBC article that for her, you know, it was a week later, she had no idea that this was happening. So when the news mm. hit, it was like, very stressful for her because especially in the context of being a victim of sexual assault there's a lot of stigma coming out with that um and the repercussions you could face and you know looking to Mm -hmm. the states and you know what was that case where it was a couple of football players and their entire lives were ruined so to go forward and suspend them without at least consulting the original uh, NDP MP first, at least informing her of what was going on so that she could mentally prepare and maybe get some supports in place uh, is where I definitely have some issues. Yeah, no, Trudeau definitely mishandled it. And I think it's a good point to raise, you know, this bringing it up on her like that. It's, yeah, the, the victims get lost in the conversation. Right. So after their expulsion, you know, there was this media frenzy. And the, the main issue was that there was actually no proper protocol set in the House of Commons to deal with these allegations. Mm. And so there was a lot of back and forth between the parties over what to do, over establishing an independent body, or, 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 or actually a body within the House of Commons to uh, investigate this. And that never occurred. That was never put together. Do they not have HR over here? What's going on? <laughs> I legitimate know, question <laughs> it sounds when like I, they don't i mean yeah i mean this op- this is likely not the first time this has happened right. but maybe it's the first time that's been made so public mm-hmm. so you know so with that issue of protocol like you know trudeau sent the party scrambling and eventually uh, trudeau hired an independent investigator by the name of uh cynthia peterson who was a toronto lawyer and during her investigation she produced a report that found them both guilty of the allegations uh, the report was not made uh, public, however, mm-hmm. and this led to the permanent expulsion of both Andrews and Pacetti from the Liberal Party. Good. Good. Yeah. yeah. 
So our final big story, which is tied to the one above, you know, not directly, but thematically, uh, the story is back in 2000, and this story only came to light in 2018. It became a big deal in 2018, but since it occurred in 2000, we'll cover it in this episode. So essentially what happened is that Justin Trudeau, back in 2000, attended a music festival in a city called Creston in BC, in British Columbia. And it was there that he ran into a female reporter, left unnamed in the story, who was working for a small community paper called The Advance. And this woman and Justin Trudeau had an encounter, uh, a very bad encounter. And so the, the details of the story is essentially that Valerie Bourne, the publisher of the Creston Valley Advance, where this reporter worked at, was uh, told by the reporter after she had covered the Kokanee Summit, which was a music festival in support of the Kokanee Glacier Alpine Campaign, mm-hmm. which was in support of those suffering from avalanches. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's something to do with avalanches. Terminal avalanche. uh, so <laughs> you have stage four avalanche. Oh, no. uh, terrible. Mikhail certainly had stage four avalanche. Cut that out. Stage Mikhail, four drowning. Mikhail doesn't deserve this. All right, he, he has nothing uh, to do I with know. this. You, I am sorry. Okay, so, yeah, I'm sorry, Mikhail. Right, so this reporter who covered the Kokanee Summit, where Justin Trudeau attended, uh, she comes back to her publisher, Valerie Bourne, and tells her about um, an incident that occurred between herself and Justin Trudeau while she was covering covering the uh, the festival. And... Uh, what ends up happening is that there's uh, an unpublished editorial, or sorry, an unsigned editorial that's published in the advance that would later be revealed to have been written by this reporter, though she left her name out when it was um, first published. And this editorial, it didn't really make a big splash in the day, um, but in 2018, it would be revived by certain uh, political and uh, journalistic parties and brought back into the public spotlight while uh, Trudeau was uh, still serving his uh, first term of uh, being a prime minister of Canada. And so I think the best way to tell the story is just to read this editorial that this reporter wrote uh, verbatim. So here is the editorial under the title, Open Eyes. I'm sorry. If I had known you were reporting for a national paper, I never would have been so forward. Those were the words spoken to an advance reporter by Justin Trudeau. Trudeau apologized a day late for inappropriately handling the reporter while she was on assignment, not only for the advance, but also for the National Post and Vancouver Sun. It's not a rare incident to have a young reporter, especially a female who is working for a small community newspaper, be considered an underling to their more predominant associates and blatantly disrespected because of it. But shouldn't the son of a former prime minister be aware of the rights and wrongs that go along with public socializing? Didn't he learn through his vast experiences in public life that groping a strange woman isn't in the handbook of proper etiquette, regardless of who she is and what her business is or where they are? And what makes the fact that she was working for the Post of any relevance? Yeah, that's editorial. Yeah. So so basically this, the story, um, because there's no explicit account documented by this reporter, aside from what's written here, is that she ran into Trudeau, and it sounds like he groped her. That's what you can infer from what she wrote. Yeah, that's uh, not great. Uh, no. Pretty bad, in fact. I would agree. Yeah. Uh, I remember when it first came up, and I remember finding coverage of it uh, quite quite limited. 
and it's a it's it's a troubling story, but it didn't seem to really freak people out as much as uh, other scandals in Trudeau's uh, uh, time as a prime minister. No. Uh, but what what do you think of this story, Trude- uh, Taylor? Trudeau, excuse me. I almost <laughs> called you Trudeau. I'm so sorry. Should be after this story, Jesus. Yeah, I didn't really see this story in 2018 when it came out. I don't think. Um, so I think you're definitely right that it just, <laughs> despite uh, the significance it has, I think, um, and the, you know, what it says about Trudeau, uh, especially, you know, the comment about if I'd known you were reporting for a national mm. paper, I never would have been so forward. And I thought it was interesting that in the editorial, you know, she went into Trudeau being the son of a prime minister and how he should know proper etiquette when really she even comments on how women and young reporters especially female yeah who's working for a small community newspaper be considered an underling um and blatantly Mm -hmm. disrespected which is a nice way of saying sexually harassed or worse right um so really it's the power dynamic itself <laughs> that seemed to make him comfortable in the first place to take advantage of this woman and grope her. Mm-hmm. And then it was only when he realized she might have more power or a higher position in her career that he apologized. Allegedly, yeah. I suppose, but I completely agree it or believe it that one <laughs> yeah and and both the publisher and the editor at the time both found the story credible right the the issue isn't really the story's credibility i don't think it's it's really showing because i mean justin trudeau was 28 this time yeah. like he wasn't he wasn't like a young i mean he wasn't an active politician mm-hmm. it wouldn't be until eight years later that he was but still a hot you know, shit he he was getting was this around the time he was getting paid quarter mil per was that a little after? Um, yeah, that was in 2006, 2007. Okay. So he wasn't... But, I mean, he still was a rich kid yeah. from a very powerful family. Like, like whether or not he's actually officially within the political system, like, he has a lot mm-hmm. of power. And, yeah, exactly. The way that he talks about her, like, oh, if I'd only known you were a reporter for a, the national, a national newspaper. Ooh. Whereas, <laughs> if you're a community newspaper, you're a free-for-all. Yeah. Like, Jesus, like, that's disgusting. It is. And, and let me just add some further context here. <clears throat> Actually, a, a weird little bit of context is that at this time at the festival, Justin Trudeau was being inducted into the Order of Sasquatch Hunters oh, alongside a local okay. MP. Okay. So our boy hunts Sasquatches. Well, isn't that fun? And gropes Great. women. Great. What is this? First of all, Sasquatches, they don't exist. Well, I'm sorry. They're not real. Go off. No, no. I'm taking a firm stance here. Sasquatches are are fake they're lies they're hoaxes mm. they're not real well, you know. but actually there's a more of a, a more serious contextual thing i want to add which is that um and this is this is from a reporter i think the same reporter who covered the event where she quotes a female uh, attendee who said uh the festival wasn't a good place to be if you're female it was a 10 to 1 ratio of men and women i got my ass grabbed i don't know how many times guys were just grabbing you it was scary I was just surprised nothing happened. I've never been so disgusted in my life. 
And that adds credence, I think, to the fact that this was just a disgusting testosterone-fueled grope fest. It's, yeah, yeah, it's... The fact that this is, like, during an event to raise money for his dead brother and people are just fucking groping women and God knows what else. It's disgusting. Yeah. But but let me say this. Trudeau, Trudeau is here to clear it all up. <laughs> uh, in response to the, uh, the National Post request for comment... The Prime Minister's office said that Trudeau does not recall any negative interactions during his visit to Creston, where the music festival was held that year. Well. And you know what? I'm sure he probably doesn't recall yeah, it. Well, it wasn't a negative. What did he say? Negative well, I'm interaction. Sure it wasn't a negative interaction for him. So, and <laughs> honestly, like. It's such, it's such bad wording. It Ugh. always is. So what does Trudeau do? Our mm. woke boy the most feminist of all feminists in the world, he just denies it. He just he just calls her a liar. Doesn't recall. In an, indir- in an indirect way. Mm. Yeah, I don't recall mm, any negative no interactions. Recall. But he wears rainbow socks. <laughs> we'll get into that uh, whenever we cover him again. But yeah. Man, I want to talk about uh, the socks now. Uh, Can we have a sock segment? Okay. Okay, next time. The sock segment, the socks. Yeah, well, teaser, folks. Uh, we will talk about the socks the next time we talk about Trudeau. All right, folks, that wraps up our uh, big stories, the highlights, the really bad shit that this Low guy lights. did. All right, so now we're going to go into the gaff corner. What kind of stupid name is that? We've got a couple stories here that are pretty fun. Uh, funny. Fun, fun, and funny. So the first one is that uh, Trudeau loves the ladies. And China. Uh, During the Liberal Party fundraiser, or during a Liberal Party fundraiser, uh, Trudeau made some uh, interesting comments that were uh, jumped on by opposing political figures. Um, The fundraiser was a ladies' night where women could come to know uh, their future uh, prime minister. Taylor, (laughs) Taylor, would you have gone to ladies' night to witness Trudeau? Fundraiser. I wonder, is the context like... $500 $500 tickets. You know what? You ain't getting in for free. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll get back to you on that. You know, okay. this era, there's a chance. Okay. There's a chance. Confirmed uh, Trudeau stand, uh, Taylor. <laughs> yeah. Again, that goatee. Mm. Right. And he also had a stage where he had this horrific mustache. Justin, what's with the fucking mustache? I've, I've uh, blocked that out of my memory. That's uh, <clears throat> yeah, that's smart. Uh, so so essentially, at this fundraiser, the ladies' night, the ladies' man Trudeau would accept questions from the audience, and one of the women asked a fairly innocuous question. An What's easy your question. There's literally <laughs> a home one run, answer. Baby. There's only one answer. She like it's a gimme. It's like here you go. So <laughs> get ready, people. Just All right. a nice softball. <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't you miss it. She lined it up for him. It's like, I just, I don't know what to ask, but I just want to speak to him. Here's my question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, she asked him, what's your favorite country? And he's like, oh, well, you know, there is a level of admiration I actually have for China because their basic dictatorship is allowing them to actually turn their economy around on a dime. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a oh, dictatorship that, uh, that allows them to do that. that that's yeah. all it takes. Uh, and this is not to comment on. Ch- disclaimer, I know nothing about China. 
Um, I know everything about China. It's bad. Don't like well, China. I mean, let's maybe not. Let's. <laughs> let's. No, I'm just joking. My feel. I I don't know anything either. China, whatever. Take it's, it or leave it's it. It's the most contentious issue on the left right now. It's a lot of. Is it? It is. Yes. But the okay. true left. China. Don't. Why would you? <laughs> Why did you say it like that? Uh, I'm sorry. Is that was that your? Oh, is that a Trump impression? Yeah. Oh, okay, that wasn't very yeah. good. I think you got to work on it. Wait, one more, one more time. Hold on, I'm quiet. Okay. Okay. China. Oh God, no. Okay, right. So, so the next story is uh, Trudeau makes a rescue joke. All right, lay it on me. All right. So, in an interview with uh, Tout Le Monde en Parle. Uh, Trudeau bad. made some uh, funny comments about the Russian and Ukraine crisis of 2014. Go on. I'll just I'll just quote Iveson verbatim. Uh, he writes, uh, Justin was asked whether Canada should do more in Ukraine, where the Russian military had made several incursions after the annexation of Crimea. Crimea? 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 Of Crimea. Let's say Crimea. Of Crimea. He answered that the situation was very worrying especially because Russia lost in hockey and they'll be in a bad mood. Oh. He realized immediately he'd stepped in it and attempted to rationalize making fun of a volatile situation where 80 people had died already. That's uh, bringing, light to, uh, bringing a light view to the situation that's extremely serious, he said. Ah, oh. uh, Trudeau, always making bad jokes at bad times. At least he's self-aware. The proper thing to do would be apologize immediately and leave. Uh, yeah, leave the country. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just just go. Just go. No, it, it's just like Trudeau, I don't know. How does he First say all, stuff like this? I don't... He's not funny. It's no. a dad joke. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you, you kill 80 people, you must be in a bad <laughs> mood about the hockey loss. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> Like he had to think about that. That's not just something that. Oh came yeah, he to definitely him. wrote that. No. <laughs> Next, please. Okay. Yeah. Uh. Okay. So our last story in the gaff corner. So so this is a good one. Justin Trudeau, he likes diversity. I mean, who doesn't? Don't we all? Multiculturalism. Yeah, and, and Justin Trudeau's multiculturalism. And I'm not trying to make light of these issues, but like you know. <laughs> Justin Trudeau's multiculturalism doesn't just uh, stay on planet Earth. Oh, no. It extends galactically. Okay. It extends to, to, to the edge of the known universe. Okay. Because on a website, a, um, uh, a person asked him uh, mm-hmm. a question, mm-hmm. and that was um, whether uh, an extraterrestrial would be protected by the charter of human rights and freedoms. And uh, Trudeau decided to answer this question. Uh, He thought, yeah, this is an easy one. And he said that, yes. Uh, E.T., extraterrestrials, would be protected under the charter of uh, human rights and uh, freedoms. That feel when (laughs) E.T. has charter rights, but indigenous people don't. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's okay. So he answered this on his website. Yeah. On his personal website. 
Mm-hmm. Disregarding the golden rule adopted by politicians at all times and all places not to answer hypothetical questions like what? <laughs> and he put this on his website. Like, uh, this is just another, like, I, like, what does he think people think of this? Like, wow, he's yeah. really relatable. It's not it's, relatable. It's what? It's, he's like, <laughs> he's, he's normal. He's not normal either. What is this? <laughs> what is this supposed to mean? He loves, he loves aliens. Okay. I mean, who doesn't? Who doesn't love a good alien? Yeah, it's like it's like someone's asking you, like, "Oh yeah, would you rather have sex with your mom or your dad?" You don't have to answer well, that question. <laughs> you don't have to answer that question. Yeah, you can true. let that question remain as horrible and awkward as it is. But if you're Trudeau, you're like, "Let me think about that one. Mm. Let me let me give that one a think. Let me give this a platform on my website. Not you know, <laughs> not to throw any shade at the question and answer." asker you know i think it's a completely valid question i would ask it so that's a fun little thing okay all right the podcast is uh coming to a close um but we have one more section to get to and the fun one this is uh cool person shit i.e miscellaneous yes so trudeau justin trudeau met santa claus did you know this uh, I didn't know this because you told me several days ago. Ooh, breaking the oh, fourth wall. Meta. Ooh. Okay, all right, fine, all right, fine. <laughs> you want to tell the story then? I've been, yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so Justin Trudeau went out with his father Pierre and grandfather James Sinclair uh, when he was six years old uh, to the North Pole. He was told that he was going on a secret spy mission, and this is a story that I told. Uh, in the eulogy he gave his father, mm. so well, it's it's kind of a beautiful. it's kind of a sad well. story, but it's also it's also ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So in his words, I remember a frozen, windswept Arctic afternoon when I was bundled up into a jeep and hustled out on a special, top secret mission. I figured I was finally going to be let into the reason for the existence of this high-security Arctic base. That was exactly right. We drove slowly through and past the buildings, all of them very gray and windy. And we rounded a corner and came upon a red one. We stopped. I got out of the jeep and started to crunch across towards the front door, I was told no to the window. So I clambered over the snowbank, boosted up to the window, rubbed my sleeve against the frosty glass to see inside, and as my eyes adjusted to the gloom, I saw a figure hunched over one of many work tables that seemed very cluttered. He was wearing a red suit with a furry white trim. And that's when I understood just how powerful and wonderful my father was. 
how uh, one how powerful and how this is what he's this is the realization he's coming to when he's six years old he sees yeah. santa he's like holy fuck my dad damn <laughs> well I, I i think it was his grandfather inside or maybe like a political aide <laughs> <laughs> just like put it on <laughs> it's like sir sir i'm cold put it on go in there santa suit would be pretty warm Right. So 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 basically, like his own like I don't know, it's so extravagant. I mean, that's a pretty cool <laughs> thing to do for your kid, you know. Yeah, I guess it's I guess it's sweet. fine. It's Aww, fine. It's cute. It's sweet. It's telling it at his dad's funeral. Aww. Imagine your dad driving you to the North Pole and putting on a charade about Santa Claus when you're six years old. <laughs> like you're just on the cusp of understanding that he, uh, he you remembers. Know, to this day, how powerful and wonderful his father was. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, this is this is pretty fun. So Justin Trudeau uh, does not walk down the stairs. No, Good. he doesn't walk down the stairs. He Good. falls down the stairs. So he does this like party trick where he he does like a practiced fall down the stairs. So like he's not he's not actually falling, but he, like he pretends okay. to fall down the stairs. And one time he's telling a reporter this and he's like, yeah, he's, like I can fall down the stairs. He's bragging about this. Yeah, he's bragging <laughs> about, you know, the the uh, the more convenient and faster way to get downstairs, which is just falling down them. So he's... It, it is quicker. It's, it's like half the time. So this reporter's like, oh, can you show me? And he does it in front of him. Mm-hmm. And he, like he gets up and he's like, oh, you thought I was hurt, didn't you? And the reporter's like... I, I didn't I didn't know what to think, honestly. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I should run or if I should Like you just know when he does this at like the fucking liberal convention or whatever that everybody is just laughing uncomfortably and side eyeing <laughs> each other and like half clapping and he's yeah, like, they he's have fucking like, at it again. Um Trudeau also loves oil. Um He's uh, supported and still supports the Keystone Pipeline, which runs from Alberta's oil sound oil sands all the way down to America. Yes, he does. And he wants, yeah. And it's it's honestly like a thorny issue because if you end up being mm. against oil, you will lose a lot of votes in the West, especially Alberta. Good. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you're a principled person, then you should make a very principled <laughs> stance. Imagine. But it, it would come at a cost. You would. I mean, the West. I mean, the West already fucking hates uh, the liberals. Wexit. Um, yeah, right. Wexit. This is a Wexit podcast, by the way. <laughs> Wexit approved. Wexit approved. Exactly. Uh, but Justin Trudeau wrote uh, for an op-ed in the National Post. He said this. There's not a country in the world that would find 170 billion barrels of oil in the ground and leave them there. I really hate that. Yeah. That is terrible. And uh, very reflective of his concern for the environment. He just wants to take the oil out of the ground <laughs> and and put it somewhere more safe like like a car <laughs> or a factory or a house, you know. You know, he just he yeah. wants to he wants to remove he's like a surgeon. He wants to <laughs> an environmental surgeon. He wants to remove the oil from the ground and heal it. Yeah. I mean, hey, we Got and that if some money's tax, so. if some money's to be made, you know, eh, you know, eh, that's right. fine. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit money. That's uh, right. So the last story is uh, this is a quote from Francis Gendron, 
uh, who who is a spokesperson for uh, oh my god Jeunes uh, <laughs> Patriots du Quebec. That uh, I'm not sure why you. I feel apologize. like you changed your voice. Like I didn't change my voice. I always have that one, accent. One more, okay. So that translates to the Young Patriots of Quebec, uh, essentially a nationalist Quebec organization. Mm. Bad. We don't like it. Uh, so basically, uh, and this is this is this is basically our feelings on Trudeau, uh, summed up by Francois Gendron. He says, "We like Trudeau because he makes funny and awkward statements." And isn't that isn't that just the case? Wow, what a way so, to end it, people. We funny and awkward wow. statements, and also other things that uh, we've said. Also, already. speak for yourself. I never said I liked Trudeau. Do we? Okay, <laughs> how? Okay, so I want to do a rating system for our figures oh, here. Oh God. Um, how many maple leaves <laughs> out of ten would you give Justin out Trudeau? Of ten. Yeah. I can't be you know, held ten to this. being like what is like, who's ten? Amazing, great. One being uh Stephen Harper. But yeah, so so ten being good, uh one being bad. How many maple leaves would you give Justin Trudeau? Four. Okay. Yeah. Four maple leaves. Yeah, this is I thought about this huh. really hard in the yeah. in the two seconds since you asked me, and that's my answer. <laughs> Four maple leaves. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm going to have to give Trudeau... I'm going to give him five. Mm, okay. Five. Uh, he's done some okay stuff. Okay? I don't like him. At the end of the day, fuck you, Trudeau. You're a rich boy. You have nothing. You stand for nothing. You mean nothing. You uh, could have done so much better on the COVID uh, pandemic. You could have done so much better in a lot of things. Yeah. You're corrupt. You're empty. And... Uh, I think your hair and uh, facial hair looks ridiculous. And that's coming mm, from me. Well, now so, you're... Oh, oh, I'm sorry. That's too far. Mm, all right, I take it back. You're a beautiful man, Trudeau. Thank a beautiful you. girl, as Robert Asplund <laughs> says. I think that's <laughs> And a Sasquatch favorite. hunter. It's my favorite quote, I think, today. Yeah. Because it's very, it's very true. That's what all of those uh, Trudeau hair flip articles are about. You know, bi-weekly, they pop up. It's consistent. Well, that's that's politics that's right if you're handsome uh, well actually no most politicians are pretty fu- pretty hideous <laughs> uh, honestly alright folks I guess that concludes our regular programming for today uh, you can find us at peoplekindpolitics.com and also follow us on twitter at peepkindpolitic you can also find us on instagram although I don't know <laughs> if we'll ever post on there yeah, yeah you can, can you can post on there. It's fine. We'll it's do all pic- the same we'll, in the end. We'll do cat pictures for sure. <gasps> I hope so. Follow us for our political cats at People <laughs> Kind Politics. One word. Yep. Yeah. Instagram that's it. and Facebook too, right? Same same thing. Yeah, on Facebook you can find us at People Kind Politics. It's two words in this case, but what? yeah. Oh, you'll you'll figure it out. Yeah. If you go to our website, all the links will be there. And you can email us at peoplekindpolitics at gmail.com. Uh, you can leave feedback on the website. There's forms. There's a little voicemail button. Yeah. Let us know what you think. Tell us all of your constructive criticism or anything or you think we should have criticism. talked about. Anything interesting? Let us know. Non-constructive too. Like I said, hate mail, you know, go for it. So that's where you can find us, you know, 
We have a website. We have Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. So I really want to shout out my friends and fellow creators, Nate and Nicole. Nicole is a fantastic graphic designer, the owner of N2B Labs in Calgary. She created our logo, and I really like it. She did really good work. And I also want to thank Nate Jacobucci, a talented singer-songwriter from Winnipeg, for creating the music for this podcast. Check him out. He makes incredible music. We'll have links to both their pages in the show notes below. Okay, so this podcast will essentially be two different kinds of episodes. Our first one is People Kind of Canada, where we will discuss the news for a bit and then talk mostly about a political figure, business figure, celebrity of Canada. And then our second episode format will just be us talking about the news, mostly focused around Canadian issues, problems, stories, and whatnot. So once a week, we'll be discussing the People Kind of Canada. And then the week after that, we'll be discussing People Kind News. And we will alternate like that till the end of time. Yeah, we will never be free. (laughs) And yeah, our next episode will be released on March 30th. Uh, That's a Tuesday. And every subsequent episode will be released on a Tuesday every week. You can find us there on your podcast services. And we will alternate between People Kind of Canada episode and People Kind News because we did People Kind of Canada every week. Uh, we wouldn't make it. It's, it would be too hard. So thanks again for listening. Uh, appreciate you. Love you. Kind of. Some of you. Maybe. Maybe not. This has been People Kind Politics, your source for Canadian regurgitation. Thank you.